Bruce Goldstone, the um, author of illustrated children's books, Great Estimations, Greater Estimations, and Bip in a Book. For your new counting book, Zero Zebras, it seems as if you've taken the Miles Davis approach to counting books. It's the zebras you don't count. Exactly. You're learning how to not count things, and there's a, turns out there's a lot of things you can not count. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, now in its 16th year, number 816, Counting Zero Zebras. Children's book author Bruce Goldstone's newest book, Zero Zebras, is both fun and, as you'll hear, surprisingly mind-blowing. Illustrated by Julian Chung, Zero Zebras is subtitled, A Counting Book About What's Not There. And it's an adorable way of introducing concepts like the power of zero to a young audience, or, if, if you've never really thought about it, an audience of any age. Bruce and I have known each other a long time from our shared days doing children's theater, and we began our conversation by discussing a tiny Zero Zebra's spoiler. There's an infinity of things that you can't count, in fact. That is, in fact, the secret ending, yes. It turns out that it is countless. The, um... Is that a spoiler we should not reveal? No, I think it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's okay to give a tip of the hat because... It's a pretty cool connection between zero and infinity. That's not a, it's not a standard thing, but I, I basically started, I, I do like, I write math books, a lot of them. I've got, this is my 14th picture book. And a lot of my picture books are math books. A lot of my picture books deal with a topic that's somehow related to math. I've done estimating like jelly beans in a jar. I've done patterns, uh, probability. And I choose topics that I'm interested in. I'm not a math head. I have no higher math, but I love numbers. And I was starting to think about zero. Zero is a really cool number, but it's also a, a slippery number because technically it's not a counting number. It's zero. <laughs> but so that was that's what I started to come to. I wanted to do a counting book, but that includes zeros because usually it gets left out. And you're right, it opens up an entirely new field or, or new way of thinking, I suppose. The um it's 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 a little bit like you know what they always said about the Seinfeld sitcom is that, that it was a show about nothing, and yet your book is about nothing, but it's about everything. That's the exciting thing about zero. Zero is really powerful, and there's a part of zero that I don't even touch on. Later on in school, kids all learn zero in place value. And zero is what makes us able to calculate really large numbers. Romans didn't have zero, and they did pretty lousy calculations. They would have to use their super awkward Roman numeral system. And when you get to large numbers, you just, they go off the page or the stone, whatever you're carving. You run out of letters. <laughs> yeah, it just keeps going on and on and on. So zero, which the Mayans had a version of it, but then it's really in Arabic concept that we got is very powerful and there's another so zero is in place value names an empty place value zero in tens hundreds etc 
but it is also just itself zero. So what this book does is it counts things. And it, in many ways, it's a traditional counting book. We begin, I see one wallaby, and there's a picture of one wallaby. But then at the bottom of the page, we see and zero zebras, because that's exactly what's there. There's one wallaby and absolutely zero zebras. After that, we go on to tuna, and we see two tuna, and again, zero zebras. So we keep counting until we get to 12, and we've seen 12 terrific animals. Julian Chung did really fun illustrations. And there have been consistently zero zebras. But then sort of the big turn is after that, we see just an empty tree. And in that tree, there are zero zebras. But then the text goes, but that's not all that isn't there. Do you also see zero eagles? You'll find them next to zero pigs and zero barking beagles. Mm. And that's when we get, and the book builds, there's more and more zeros that we see. We get zero beavers, zero bats, zero camels, zero cats, zero rhino, zero rats, zero newts, zero gnats. <laughs> and so there's just more and more heaps and heaps until all of the animals from the book gather together and they're looking up at the sky, which was not my idea. That came from the illustrator, which is wonderful because there feels like there's an infinite number of stars and they're looking at the stars and they're counting things that they can't see. They're counting zeros up there. And the book ends officially with, so when you want to count a lot, don't count what's there, count what's not. Try counting zeros with your friends. The list of zeros never ends. Wow. Wow. That that couplet right there, don't count what's there, count what's not, what blew my mind. I mean, I had no expectation that my mind would be blown by your little counting book. I mean, it's such a great notion for little kids to realize that when you're looking at something that's there, imagine what isn't there, what should be there, what could be there. That's an incredibly powerful idea. And to put it in the context of math, I'm hoping is really empowering because what I want all of my books to be are fun. I dislike the separation of math is hard and strict and only has one right answer and literature gets to be fun and art gets to be fun and all the other things get to be fun. Math really can be fun and creative. And this idea of counting zeros I'm really hoping that readers will go on to really annoy their parents by sitting at the breakfast table, counting things that aren't there. <laughs> Kids have wonderful imaginations. And this book is about how that is a math idea. Imagination is part of math. It, it, people think of it as part of literature, part of you know, the arts. Math is an art. Yeah. So that that is my hope. and. I do think that it's an expansive idea that will help, I hope, you know, soften a little bit of that fear of math. Right. I Yes. Yeah, soften it up for, soften up the idea for when they start taking math and more difficult math. Exactly. Yeah. I, you know, I, I realize I feel the same way about Shakespeare. Shakespeare should be fun, <laughs> not dry, not important. It should be. I agree. How did this book come to be? Did you, 
Was there resistance to the idea of a counting book? I remember you telling me once that zero is much underrepresented and it had been a bit, a bit, a bit of a pet peeve for you. Well, it is, it gets overlooked. Mm. And, and often rightly, I mean, there's many situations in which you, it's not convenient to include it. But I do think that it is a number and it's a concept and all numbers are concepts. Right. You know, they're all concepts. So I do think that it should be included. One of my, one of the real origins of this and part of my interest is an old nursery poem about absence and nothing in a playful way, which was, as I was walking down the stair, I met a man who wasn't there. He wasn't there again today. Oh, how I wish he'd go away. <laughs> that delighted me as a kid. The, the cheekiness of that and a bit of Lewis Carroll, who was also a favorite when I was a kid. The logic and your sort of mind twisting around an idea of being and not being. So in many ways, that was another real um, inspiration for this book. Hello, this is Jenny Mazels, illustrator of Pop-Up Books and most famously of Pop-Up Shakespeare book. And you are listening to the Reduce Shakespeare Company podcast. Where can you RSC the RSC? The RSC will return to touring this fall of 2022, performing Hamlet's Big Adventure, a prequel in Rolla, Missouri on September 21st, Bloomington, Illinois on September 23rd, Jasper, Indiana on September 25th, and the Wharton Center in East Lansing, Michigan on November 9th and 10th. Check out the touring page at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, or our Twitter feed, at Reduced, for the latest information. Now back to my conversation with children's author Bruce Goldstone, the author of Zero Zebras, a counting book about what's not there. You and I share a fondness for the absurd, and we met, I think I'm doing the math right, you'll you'll know better than me, 38 years ago doing children's theater in New Hampshire, and you told me that you liked my scripts that I was writing because they they were like the old um, fractured fairy tales and Rocky and Bullwinkle, which is something I had never identified for myself as an inspiration. But you were 100 percent right. And that set me on a path of uh, um, owning that and 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 uh, uh, building on that. So thank you, by the way. Yeah, there, I think you and I share many of the same inspirations, but. I don't I, I don't know how that was a surprise to you because <laughs> the debt seems obvious. Your work is very much in the line of of those pieces and that that idea that you can take a source and play with it and tweak it is essential and it's a lot of fun. And wasn't being done quite as much. Now I think we're much more familiar with it. Yeah, I guess what you what you unlocked in me is the ability to kind of reflect critically on my own work. I think that was the beginning set me down. Oh, oh gosh. Yes, you're right. I do have all these inspirations and how, and I like how they mesh. And so, you know, for the last 30 years, it's been mixing classics with vaudeville, you know, serious with absurd and absurdity is incredible, can be incredibly serious. Absolutely. I, I divisions are our enemy. Yes. I don't like categorizations. In some ways, I spent a lot of time in Argentina, and especially for children's literature, they really don't have a category for nonfiction. 
Mm. And bookstores, they do sort it roughly into fiction and nonfiction, but it's a much sloppier division and books get placed all over. And that's just wonderful. Kids don't care. They don't distinguish between mm -hmm. fiction and nonfiction. They distinguish between a book I like and a book that's boring. Yeah. And that's what we need to look at. It doesn't matter to them if it's true or not, especially at the picture book age. Obviously, you do need to teach kids what's actual, real. But you don't need to fetishize it and say one is better than the other and that the division is more important than the thing itself. Uh, any tales you want to tell out of school about working with Marcel Marceau? Oh, Marcel Marceau. Um, that was amazing. It was so much fun. Um, whirlwinds. That publisher, which was Stuart Tabori and Chang, they had him under contract to do a children's book and had no book. They had signed him, but they didn't know what they were doing. And so I, I did know somebody there who brought me on board. This was Thanksgiving weekend and said, hey, you got any ideas? They gave me the weekend to come up with ideas. Um, I pitched two. Very quickly, we heard back that he just hated the first idea. <laughs> Hated it, just hated. Uh, liked the other one, which is what we turned into the book, which is called Bip in a Book. In my quick, quick research, I turned out that the classic mime routine of trapped in a cage that um, gets smaller so that you get trapped in it. Uh -huh. It turns out he invented that. Wow. I always thought that was mime from time immemorial. No, that was Marcel Marceau's invention. So we did a version of that. Next thing I know, two weeks later, I'm flying off to outside of Paris, where he lived in a beautiful stone house. He opens the door and almost immediately starts talking about how much he hated the first idea. <laughs> now, as far as I was concerned, that was dead in the water. Yeah. He really, he had to talk things through. Um, he wanted us to understand why it was bad and we sat and listened patiently and then moved on to the project. He was a generous man with his time. He was 78 when we did the book, in amazing shape. He had essentially, to my way of thinking, he, he was still touring, almost 200 performances a year in different wow. cities. Wow. Two hour performances in which he never left the stage. And you would think from the stage, he looked about 40. Off stage, he looked about his age. But on stage, the years just dropped away, and he was incredibly graceful. And indeed, off stage, quite a talker. <laughs> he did very fluent English, <laughs> loved to talk. Um, it was a wonderful chance to collaborate with an icon, which doesn't come up a lot. You're right, an icon and a legend. The thing I was talking to you about, why am I on a theater podcast? And other than the fact that you and I met that way, but I do think, and I've come to think of the picture book as a theater form, although it's just an audience of one. I, especially in the picture books I do, they're almost all read-alouds. So there's an audience on a lap and a parent reading the book. And my theater training has really helped me learn how to write the script for that performance. And part of that includes the page turns. The page turns give the performer or the parent enormous cues about pace, enormous cues about 
when to pause, when to ask the audience for response, because this happens to be a form in which audience participation is almost essential. And that's how I really view every book. I think most writers include speaking aloud as a part of their process, but for a picture book, it is essential over and over, reading aloud and hearing what the text sounds like and how it breaks out in the page is a key, key part of the genre. And I just, I do feel like it's a form of a script that I'm writing. That's very cool. And, 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 and that's, that's something I didn't recognize until we did our pop-up book, because you can, you can look at a pop-up book uh, from every angle, from the front, looking at it at the, at the table level, you can look down on it, you can look at it from behind, and no matter where you're looking at the book, you're seeing literally, like a, watching a stage performance, you're seeing a different angle to the story. It's very three-dimensional. And especially, and your book is also somewhat nonlinear in that yeah. there's not a, the, the eye moves about the page and there's no specific order that you, you might read the lower right before you read the upper left. Oh, I'm so glad you told that, you said that, all that. That's terrific. Not that your participation in the RSC podcast needs any excuses or defenses, sir. No, well, it, it has been a pleasure talking to you as always. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, except for one more thing, which I'll share with you in about 60 seconds, so stick around. Bruce Goldstone's Zero Zebras accounting book about what's not there will be published next week, August 2nd, 2022. And you can follow Bruce on Instagram at Bruce Goldstone Books or at Bruno Goldstone. Then send us the things you've counted that aren't there via email to feedback at ReducedShakespeare.com. Or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or on our own actual website, ReducedShakespeare.com, or visit my website, TheShakespeareans.com. Thanks, as always, to father of six daughters and zero sons, Matthew Croak. Web services by Ginger Power Limited. Music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to John Smitka. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Jenny Mazels, author and illustrator of over a dozen pop-up books, including Pop-Up London, Pop-Up New York, and the ever-popular Pop-Up Shakespeare. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. Please continue to stay safe, get your boosters, and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 816, 2448s of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. I love the idea that that the fam most famous mime in the world won't shut up. He indeed won't. He was. He knew that too. He had a very good sense of humor about himself. <laughs> this podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company, reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. 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 So much less.